0: Another big week in the emerging cricket world. Tim and Nick discuss the T20 World Cup Qualifier B, which begins next week in Zimbabwe, as well as a look to 2024's tournament with European qualifying getting underway, as well as Namibia's women in Europe taking on the Netherlands and Germany. As always, our show is helped along by our friends at Patreon. From as little as $2 a month, you can help the cause by becoming an Emerging Cricket patron. To sign up, log on to patreon.com forward slash Emerging Cricket. As I said, Tim and Nick on this week's show, enjoy the Emerging Cricket Podcast.
1: Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Emerging Cricket Podcast. I am your second reserve host yet again, Tim Cutler, coming to you from... Well, it's not so sunny. Well, it's a little sunny, but in the middle of winter, but uh, Port Vila. Joining me is Nick Skinner. It's just the two of us again today. Daniel Beswick has taken, uh, I'm not sure it's been approved, but he, he's on a holiday. And quite rightly so, he's, uh, I think, thinking as little as possible about cricket, which uh, is probably healthy separation, considering our friend is on all day long and then all night doing emerging cricket stuff. But yeah. Uh, Nicholas, you were you were preparing to leave and a little birdie told me that you might be trying to get a garage sale up this weekend. How's that all going?
0: Uh, well, um, my house is currently just a wreck. There's uh, just stuff strewn everywhere and apparently we got a, a call uh, at the last minute today from the real estate agent saying that the prospective buyers want an inspection tomorrow, so uh, that'll be interesting. You know, real estate agents as uh, as helpful as always. So that's not great, but uh, on on the upside, we're in the final stages of uh, securing an apartment in Reykjavik for our for the big move, which is certainly a, a weight off both of our shoulders. You know, having somewhere to actually go when we <laughs> when the plane lands, uh, rather than wandering aimlessly through the streets of Iceland and hoping for the best. So, you know, got to take the good with the bad. But yes, very exciting times. Hopefully, we manage to um, to sell a lot of this old junk. Otherwise, um, I guess the uh, the old council pickups getting a workout.
1: Yeah, or a bonfire perhaps, but uh, I guess the council in Gosford would look down on that, wouldn't it? <laughs> I, I kind of uh, people sort of asked me to describe Vanuatu. It's sort of like most places you go, you can't, you'll just have a faint smell of bonfire in your in your <laughs> nose. It sort of takes me back to the '80s in Sydney when you know you used to have a pile ready to go, but. But uh, um, uh, another big week of cricket, I almost get sick of saying it. Well, no, I get sick of saying it so it feels like it's uh, repeating ourselves, but it has been. We finished up with the European qualifiers on the men's side for the T20 World Cup this week, which we'll talk about soon, and the Namibian women have been in Europe as well but all roads are leading to Zimbabwe with the men's T20 World Cup qualifier B getting underway in a couple of days time so we'll talk about that soon and there's been a number of series going on around the world well in in Africa and uh, in Asia as well as teams prepare for that eight team competition but let's go back to Belgium I was going to say in Bruges and uh, start quoting from that movie but that's probably not uh not not good for this time slot (laughs) Nick, we saw Denmark go through. I think they were the pick for everyone and uh, that we thought going through, but they didn't get through easily. They had a bit of a scare, didn't they?
0: Well, uh, yeah, it's it's always hard to judge in, in dead rubbers You know how much you read into it, but a uh, bit of a slip-up there against Belgium, who've been sort of the most uh, inconsistent but very dangerous side. Belgium put up 161 in, in their 20 overs against Denmark, and, and the Danes could only... Manage one hundred and forty nine in response with Ahmed Shah leading the way there. Uh, but uh, yeah, Belgium, as well as beating Denmark, who eventually qualified, Belgium actually lost their semi final um, against Portugal, which was also somewhat unexpected. With Sean Gomez hitting a half century to get Portugal pretty comfortably home after bowling out Belgium for one hundred and thirteen, and they got there in the seventeenth over with eight wickets in hand. So um, yeah, Belgium beat the eventual qualifiers, uh, get thrashed. By Portugal, who haven't really been at the, that top level of uh, European cricket uh, until now, so um, very interesting tournament. I, I think yes. Before the tournament, we w- I certainly predicted Denmark to go through, although I, I didn't expect them to lose to Belgium, so that doesn't bode well. Uh, although they were convincing in the final, Portugal restricted to one hundred and ten uh, in their twenty overs. Uh, Nikolai Damgaard, Legsgaard, that guy. Uh, he, he actually he topped the wicket tally and the run charts, um, so he had a, a really good series. He helped Denmark restrict Portugal to 9 for 110 in their 20 overs with 2 for 11 off 4, which is sort of standard operating procedure for the, the tall left armour. <laughs> um, and Denmark chased that pretty comfortably in the 14th over with 9 wickets in hand. Um, so convincing win in the final... Convincing win in the semi-final where they they beat Spain by forty-one runs with Damgaard thrashing forty-five uh, at the top of the order and his sort of he he's he's been playing at the top of the order in club cricket for the Netherlands um over the last couple of years and 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 he's found a lot of success domestically and um, now at the international level as well so it'll be interesting to see how he goes at that next level up in the European final because he. He can hit it very well. Um, it's a bit of a cliche to say long levers, but that's his, you know, how he goes. He's just a tall guy, gets a lot of uh, got a lot of purchase on the ball. It's a yellow card. No yeah, oh idea. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, he, he hits very effectively down the ground with the typical tall left handed thing. It'll be interesting again, as I said, to, to see him at that higher level and whether that translates. But certainly at this level, he was very effective with the the highest strike rate and the most runs of any player with more than uh, 75 runs across the tournament. Uh, and he scored 189 uh, over the five matches. So, I mean, Denmark in the past have been a bit sluggish and, and you can see that in Hamid Shah, who's a class bat and he is dangerous, but he can take a little while to get going as, as they're kind of the engine room of their batting. And having Damgaard sort of just swinging from the hip, hitting the most sixes as well in the tournament is going to be very helpful at the top of the order and, and allows someone like Shah... Who who takes just a little while to get settled in, you know, giving him a little bit more time and a bit more breathing room. Um, I I think that's a potentially very effective formula. Just the question is whether they get overwhelmed um, by the pure talent. But uh, yeah, again, um, Hamid Shah was bowling quite well too. Uh, seven wickets across four outings with the ball. That's two behind Damgard, who who topped the tally as I said with nine. Damgard economy rate under six. Uh, you know, as he as he always does, uh, but. Uh, it's good that he's back in the side. He was part of the, I don't know, rebellion, I guess you'd probably call it, about a year or so ago uh, when the when the Danish players were in a conflict with their board and, and um, a number of them pulled out. And, and as we said, Amjad Kardin was sort of a, a central figure in that and he pulled out of this tournament. So, um, again, I think there's probably something going on behind the scenes there. But, uh, yeah, good to see some sort of reconciliation between... Uh, one of Denmark's better players
1: and uh, and the board. Well, that's an interesting one, isn't it? Because I put my Vanuatu cap on, which is rare, isn't it? <laughs> uh, as soon as I see these results, um, Hamid Shah as well, I think it's just so well set up for the 50-over game and anything they can get out of him, even more so in the 20-over game is a bonus, I think, for, for Denmark. but Definitely his best format, for sure. Yeah, the 50-over format, it's going to be... Interesting to see how they'll they'll use Nikolaj in in this series. If he's batting so well, you know, do you have him up top and let him let him go, or you know, someone at number four who can score at over a hundred, or someone who can come in later on and uh, and be your sort of Andrew Simons type role? It's going to going to be interesting to see the role that he plays but it sort of feels like he's been around forever but he's only you know he's almost 26 so you think if he's showing this form and he's really reinventing himself as a true all-rounder you wonder if there's going to be any franchise opportunities that may may come around I think if you could get his name out there you know big tall left arm spinner who can smack the ball you know and half decent in the field too so I don't know who knows what might come out of this next year or so uh, for him I guess the only problem is from a, a a Danish point of view and yes they're going to go through to the European final but we know that's going to be a tough old um, series that and um, it's just that we're not going to see any 50 over cricket for the majority of these teams in the, in the Cricket World Cup league structure until after the World Cup uh, in 2023. So I just hope that there's enough cricket for players like nah, Nikolaus Dundersgaard to, to get his face up there. But um, yeah, it's a little bit like under 15s kid, you know, who's a year older kind of owning the <laughs> tournament really, isn't it? When was the last time we saw someone go top of the bowling and top of the batting in, a, in an ICC tournament?
0: There's been a few bilaterals where people have done that, but nothing in an av- official ICC tournament that I can think of but um, Mm. we can throw that to the you know to the crowd and and, uh,
1: see if someone pops up to correct us. Yeah Um, and it'd be an interesting one as well being able to actually isolate some of the the series as well where sometimes things can get all thrown together so we've kind of covered what happened on the field but those with a keen eye on the uh, the interwebs may have noticed that there was an issue off the fields where, forget this right, they, a car carrying the officials destined for, I wasn't sure, sounding like the, it may have happened the evening before the playoff games, like the lower bracket, the teams that are out of contention but still playing for places. A number of the match officials were in a vehicle that was involved in a... It looked like a pretty bad collision, a little b- bad accident and were admitted to hospital for uh, for observation anyway, but didn't didn't hang around too long. But the, uh, they ended up postponing that game. I don't think they, they played them at all, did they?
0: Yeah, the uh, the fifth place semifinals with, with Gibraltar and Israel and Hungary and Malta were, were both cancelled. They were due to be played on the 2nd of July. And as you said, um, yeah, a car accident involving match officials, which is not something you see too often. Um. Although you yeah, know, they were taking selfies and uh, thumbs up at the hospital, so all's well that ends well but the car hopefully they um they had insurance on that one because uh it's uh, probably not going very far from that ditch
1: that it landed in no um as soon as i hear that word pop up in conversation i always feel like i've got to offer an opinion but no you'd <laughs> like if it's a high car this let's, let's just hope the icc took the lower excess option um, <laughs> and aren't up for you know two and a half or or five grand because they'll probably come off the streaming <laughs> no um how do you see this in the end do we kind of look at this as the emergence of Portugal here Nick what's your sort of your take on this this tournament as a bit of a wash up point of view taking into account the conditions and and the teams
0: yeah portugal i think is kind of the, the i mean they sort of they flew under the radar a little bit but uh, as i said very comprehensive win against belgium who were dangerous but unpredictable and I would have pegged Belgium as the you know probably the second best team in the tournament. Um, Portugal lost to Spain uh, pretty comprehensively in their group match, bowled out for 77 and which Spain chased in under 10 overs. So I, I guess it, it just shows that the level of parity at this level is growing, which is only a good thing and Portugal having access to, a few uh, heritage slash passport holders as well as, um, you know, local guys has boosted their side. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if um, a certain uh, Australian uh, all-rounder ever turns out for Portugal, um, but uh, we- we'll leave that just uh, just hanging there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, where do we see them going in the next few years is it's kind of a question of how much cricket they get because a lot of these teams just don't play much and, you and- just getting on the field has been very helpful and, and has allowed them to, you know, to improve and to tinker with their combinations and you know, just just basically to get better at cricket by playing it. And that's something, obviously, we always call for <laughs> just more cricket. You know, some of these bilateral series and, and, you know, regional tournaments have been good, but more ICC cricket is always going to help these teams to improve. So, yeah, more pathway events, more qualifiers, just get them playing. And, um, you know, to an extent, it'll, um, It'll take care of itself if, if they're actually getting on the field and, and, you know, training and improving. And
1: for those people playing at home, the last time that the man they call Moses played for Australia, it was August 9th, 2021. So, uh, he if he doesn't play again for Australia, he'll be eligible to play for the country of his birth, August 9th, 2024. Um. Just, I'm stealing your comment from the notes that you haven't you haven't picked up on, so I'm going to pass it off as my own opinion, at least a, it's going to sound like a clever, a clever question. Do you think the fact that these teams, and I'd say at the level of where we know Denmark have been and, and are at presently, the fact that they are playing this on a synthetic wicket had any effect? Well, that was actually uh, Daniel Beswick's comment, so I'll, I have to give
0: credit where it's due, but uh, I mean, this is something we do see at the these lower level yeah, pathway qualifying events, although in fairness, even Denmark, I think they only have one turf wicket in the whole country, either one or two. So, they don't necessarily play that much on turf either. I mean, yeah, Syntho is interesting because it, it that could actually uh, quite possibly explain how Legsguard, Damgard has been able to be so effective with the bat because the way he plays, uh, having that very predictable bounce of concrete with the synthetic strip over the top that allows him to just swing through the ball a lot more effectively than, you know, if it's doing something, you know, off a turf deck. Uh, his his style of batting is going to be a bit harder. And conversely, because he's so tall and he extracts, I mean, he'll extract bounce off anything, but just the way that he's able to, to use the angles and, and his height, he can make things very awkward for a batter on Syntho. So, uh, I think it... Potentially has helped him specifically in terms of leveling the playing field. I don't really, I mean, better teams will come through regardless of the surface. And, and you know, a lot of these guys would be playing on Syntho a lot of the time anyway. So I, I don't necessarily uh, think that that's a huge factor.
1: So what you're saying is when I'm bowling to Nala Nipico on Saturday that I should get the better of him because I'm tall like a certain Danish left arm orthodox. And if I don't, <laughs> I've basically failed the brotherhood. Because as you, as you were talking, I was thinking I was going to come straight back at you. Well, if it's so much easier for him to bat, then why is he still the best bowler in the tournament? But I guess it just shows that class does shine through, and especially with these players that have that experience on, on synthetic, where I sort of think, and having been, I don't know if you say fortunate enough, but played most of my cricket on turf, that it feels completely different to be, to be bowling on synthetic. So I guess that's the advantage of having these players that, that are playing it on synthetic week in, week out to, to know how to sort of extract the benefits out of the surface if mean, suits you, as, even as a spinner. Where on the face of it, maybe in the back of my head, I think that, geez, is not going to turn a lot and people can just swing through the line. And really, you can think, no, 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 I can get more bounce and play with my lines and l- play with my lengths and play with my flight to uh, to really draw uh, mistakes out of the batters. Mm. So, yeah, no, inter- interesting one. and on Denmark now proceed to the European final. We have the European sub. Regionals A and B coming up in the next few weeks in Finland, which would be great to see cricket in Finland again. And they'll proceed through the winners, each winner of those comps will go through the, the European final. So, also in Europe, the Namibian women have now finished their tour with well, a really close fought series against the Netherlands. You now, with the Netherlands winning a really exciting series three. Two, which I guess in some ways ended up being a six-match series because one game was rained off, but uh, they had the presence of mind mid-series to organise uh, another fixture, which in the end was, was very useful because I went down to the wire with it being only one game, the difference. And then a very convincing result with a 3-0, like you'd almost say, drubbing of Germany. We've talked about African cricket, the growth of the strength in in African women's cricket, Nick? Does this does this show more of this or does that Netherlands result sort of bring things a little bit more into balance?
0: Well, I mean, the Netherlands are one of the top teams in Europe. Obviously, probably a, a level below Scotland, for example, who are the leading women's associate team in Europe, but certainly ahead of Germany. And, and I mean, we saw that <laughs> Namibia, there's basically nothing to separate the Netherlands and Namibia. You know, the, you look at the 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 margins of victory... Namibia won by three wickets. Netherlands came back and thrashed them. Uh, that was the, the day where they played two games, um, uh, you know, the, the replacement game. Netherlands came back and thrashed them, bowled them out for 29, but, you know, they'd only posted 99 in their 20 overs. And then the fourth match, Namibia won by three wickets in the last over. And then the fifth match, Netherlands got home by five runs on, on the DLS calculations after uh, rain interrupted their chase. And then the sixth and last match, the Netherlands defended 97 again, uh, only two runs though, with a a, a, a wicket maiden to Frederick Overdyke to block out that last over and defend, you know, defend two runs, which is one of the better death bowling performances I've seen. She she got it in the block hole a couple of times and and kept uh, managing to push it wide but not too wide. Um, so very good effort from, from Overdyke to seal the series. And very exciting game, uh, very exciting series. Great stuff from Namibia coming across to Europe and, and being so competitive. It was also good to see, you know, you look at it. who was performing for them. Uh, Yasmin Khan hit a half century against the Netherlands in, in that uh, fifth match uh, where the N- Namibia posted uh, 130 off their 20. And then a number of different bowlers were, were taking wickets. Wilke Motile... Uh, picked up a forfar, Sune Wittmann, picked up another forfar, uh, Didi Forster. You know, so everyone's contributing, which is helpful. Um, I, I think the batting is, as ever, a bit of a weakness for. Well, I mean, for Namibia and for the Netherlands, um, there's just always a couple of names there: Heather Siegers and Sterikalis. Uh, doing the bulk of the scoring, Babette delayed, uh, uh, got them home in that in that uh, rain affected match. Um, so if you're looking for you know, where, where does the the sort of the wash up come here, I guess you'd probably say that they both sides need need to work on their batting, and that's just um, something we see a lot with women's cricket. But um, they they both bowled quite well, and these low scoring matches they're very exciting. So I, I wouldn't you know I I don't think we should get too hung up on the fact that they're not putting up huge totals, although they did against Germany. Um, you know, if the cricket's exciting, I think you can forgive a lot. And, and this was just a really good series. And the, the fact that they're playing across regions, as we've said, is something that doesn't happen too often. So, um, you know, more of this, please. Um, although it was a bit of a shame Namibia didn't turn out for the Quabuka because it would have been pretty interesting to see uh, if they could have knocked over Tanzania or Kenya uh, because last Kwebuka, when Kenya won the thing, Namibia beat them in the group stage, uh, but Tanzania weren't playing. So, between those three, uh, I think it would have been yeah, quite interesting. But... Uh uh, yes, um, they couldn't quite get over the line against the Netherlands. Um.
1: And something pointed out by a uh, good friend, Andrew Nixon, moving on to Namibia's 3-0 win over Germany. I'm stealing Andrew Nixon's stats here, but Sune Whitman, 27 and a half years old and played 44 T20Is for her country, had a had a wow of a series. 41 not out of 16 balls in the match one, 80 off 33 in game two, 67 off 38 in game three, 188 runs, average 94 strike rate, 216. Was... So, you the difference there, or was it just a different class level, do you think, between the sides?
0: Well, I mean, if you look at the, the run scorers, uh, Wittmann scored twice as many runs as anyone else in the series, but the next best was Yasmin Khan with 97, and then the third best was Adri van der Merwe with 64. So, when your team's got the top three run scorers, you, you're generally going to do well in a series. Um, I guess it, it just shows that Germany, I mean, they're bowling has previously been their, their strongest side and they just got absolutely dismantled here. Wittmann is the kind of player that can take an attack apart. She has a lot of power and, and six-hitting ability, which is relatively rare in the, um, in the women's game and, and especially um, at, down at this lower level of, of, of associate cricket. She hit nine sixes in that series against Germany, whereas Christina Goff was the next best with only two. So that should kind of give you a, a, an indication of the difference there. Um, it was interesting to see... Just on the on the bowling side, Yasmin Khan, who generally plays as a wicketkeeper, took five wickets um, against Germany. She took four for 20 in, in one of the games and, and that five wickets ended up being the most um, of any bowler. So, I mean, I've said it before, but I'm not a huge fan. It just feels like a bit of a novelty move having her take the ball rather than the gloves. I think she's a lot better keeping than she is at bowling, but, you know, if she's getting results, they might keep doing it. I was a little disappointed with, with Rasta Dierkhart, who was the star in that, that upset against Zimbabwe uh, in the Capricorn Tri-Series they had a little while ago, uh, also involving Uganda. But she didn't quite you know, repeat her performances here, despite being, in my view, one of the better, more technically solid players in the Namibian side, which is something that's uh, quite rare. Well, as, as we've discussed in, in sort of associate women's cricket in general, just having Uh, a a technically compact play you can build a team around is is quite rare but she didn't have a, a particularly good series against the Netherlands or Germany um so I was a bit disappointed there but uh yeah Wittmann um took a bunch of wickets against the Netherlands and scored a bunch of runs against Germany so she'll be going home quite pleased with herself I imagine um eight wickets in that series against the Netherlands and uh yeah, as you say, a phenomenal series with the bat. I'm a bit interested to see her at the top of the order because they, they've shuffled around the top of their order quite a lot. Um, you know, Khan has played there. Uh, Adele van Seel, uh, has played there. Uh, obviously, Wittmann has has given it a crack. Uh, the, I think Green has done it a few times as well. And obviously, Dirkart, uh, was was at the top in that Capricorn series as well. So... I'm not sure if they're still experimenting or if they're not quite settled on, on that, but that's one to watch as as they go forward.
1: Yeah, and I think that's a big thing as well for the cricket that they have coming up. You know, until the women's T20 World Cup qualifiers start next year, unless you're a team that's in the fifty the World Cup qualifier approaching, then uh, there's not a lot of ICC events approaching. So I think that uh, that just shows how important these series are and Kubuka being a fully-fledged multi regional tournament now and um, and series like these and I guess if we've been talking about uh, African cricket we're going to stay very much in Africa with the the men's T20 World Cup qualifier B approaching rapidly by the time that everyone listens to our podcast next week we'll already have our final two places with the two finalists making it through to Australia T20 World Cup 2022 to start later this year before we get too deep in the detail I'll just give you a quick summary of the of the format we got two groups of 4 they will play single round robin and then the top 2 will play crossover semis and the winner of those semis will not only go into the final but also clinch those final 2 tickets to australia group a and we'll go through these in a little bit more detail soon but uh jersey singapore united states and zimbabwe the hosts and group b hong kong netherlands papua new guinea and uganda now i don't know if you want to kind of give a broad comment on the the event itself nick or if you want to start going through the through the groups but uh how are you feeling about this only a couple of days out from the start oh look i think it's um
0: It'll be a great tournament. It's um, a bit of a zombie tournament in the sense that it's kind of it's the remnants of the old global qualifier that they used to run with uh, 14 teams. Which was a fantastic event, and, and they've cut it down to two sort of half events that are run and done in a week or so, which yeah, very uh, disappointing, but you know we we've argued that case in the past, you know we, we don't need to go there again. Uh, one interesting point, just just off the top of my head, was that Stefan Myberg's back for the Netherlands after he announced his retirement from international cricket only a couple of months ago during the series against New Zealand over in New Zealand. Uh, So, I'm not sure what's going on there, if he's been persuaded or if, uh, I don't know, he's he's answered the call. Um, But uh, that'll be interesting. Yeah, seeing kind of the lineup of who's in which group, it looks like Group B is a lot tougher, whereas Group A is sort of stratified a little bit with Zimbabwe being a full member and then kind of more of a dogfight between the other three teams, potentially Singapore, the weakest there if Tim David doesn't show up. But, yeah, Group B, I mean, Hong Kong looked good, uh, didn't they, in in the mm-hmm. in Uganda in the Challenge League? And Uganda came back strongly after dropping the first two games. Papua New Guinea, uh, you know, Tony Uru seems to have found form uh, and the Netherlands are a little bit weaker than they have been in the past. So that group is wide open, whereas... You would imagine Zimbabwe are pretty secure in getting through. Although, funny things can happen. But looking at their opponents, I can't see Zimbabwe... Uh, not making it out of the group stage and then obviously in the semi-final it's uh you know anything can happen
1: yeah it's uh, interesting maybe we sort of look at group a there for a second kind of i come back to the tournament so often but you know that t20 world cup qualifier in scotland for the, the women's event when it was almost you know teams trying to avoid playing against bangladesh and everyone was more or less playing for second place in that group and trying to make sure that they didn't come up against them in the crossover semis which was of course so important for thailand when they beat ireland in the last round match to to secure a first spot meaning they didn't come up against Bangladesh I wonder if there'll be similar feelings here or are we not giving enough credence to the to the other teams in 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 Group A you know we know how disjointed global cricket has been for two and a half years now and Jersey's coming coming on hot undefeated in Challenge League Singapore are playing well I've just finished playing a, a series of T20s against Malaysia the USA well, I think six months ago, he may have said, you know, will the real USA please stand up? But they're a lot more consistent now, aren't they? And I think we're we're pretty sure of, of what we're going to get from the United States. But I sort of think about Zimbabwe. It's like, surely this is just theirs to, to lose. Home field advantage... Um, in the cold for a while, remembering that they were excluded from competing um, at the last World Cup qualifier, T20 World Cup qualifier, when ZC were suspended. But then you think back to 2018 when they hosted a yet another World Cup qualifier, when all they needed to do was beat UAE, and this is obviously the 50 over version when they were competing for the last two spots in England 2019, and they just need to get past uae and not so much bottled it but were beaten by uae on the day but that was in front of a packed home crowd and just weren't able to get over that final hurdle so i'm sure that's going to be in the the back of their head in the back of their minds but if you had to predict how this group finishes up nick before we see a ball bold in anger what are your thoughts
0: (laughs) group a um yeah it it is tough i mean i think just based on the on the cricket that we've have seen played, I think Zimbabwe are probably still favourites to top the group. Although, yeah, as we know, um, any of these teams is capable on a good day. Jersey, as as I discussed during the Challenge League, I think they have a pretty complete package with their batting and their bowling. Um, they've got all rounders all down the order. They've got seamers, although not express, and um, you know good variety in their spin bowling. So I guess potentially a lot will go down to sort of how the track plays in in Bulawayo. But, you know, we saw Zimbabwe narrowly lose a T20 series against Namibia. And Namibia recently hosted Jersey in the United States in a T20 tri-series, which was, I guess, a, a warm-up for the US and Jersey. And Namibia basically spanked them. Uh, they they won very comprehensively in all of their matches. I guess you could say Jersey were in with a sniff in the in the second match between the two teams, which Namibia, they got over the line with three wickets and an over to spare, which, you know, that's not... That's not a thrashing, but they still were pretty comfortable and and sort of on cruise control. You know, Jan Freilink hitting dingers and and JJ Smith obviously, uh, doing the business. So, the fact that, you know, Namibia and Zimbabwe are kind of on an even keel, whereas Namibia and USA and Namibia and Jersey is a mismatch would, to me, indicate that Zimbabwe should be the favorites here. But between the other three teams, yeah, could be anyone. I, I would... I'll go Jersey second and Zimbabwe first in that group.
1: Okay, there's a, a big factor here, a big six-foot-four factor called Tim David, I think, that comes into it, doesn't it? I think if Tim David turns up and he was one of the standout players in the IPL, um, and this isn't a journeyman coming back and playing associate cricket. This is one of the leading... St- ball strikers in cricket at the moment, who I think, not just because I don't want to play against him in Canada, um, should probably be playing for <laughs> Australia. And yes, I don't want Vanuatu to play against him in Canada, although we dropped him on a couple of runs last time. <laughs> I think if he plays, th- this group could be, and, and our assumptions could be blown wide open. I, I kind of look at it and I think, no Tim David or go Zimbabwe, USA, or Jersey, Singapore, almost can't can't split them. But if, if Tim David's there, we could, we could see Singapore get that, sneak that win against uh, Zimbabwe and still get through the others. And we could see them in first or second spot. So that's the effect that I think he can have for Singapore. I should also note here, and that the rankings are quite interesting, how, how quite well grouped they are. Zimbabwe's 12th. I know we love rankings, <laughs> but I thought I'd mention it nonetheless. Singapore and next 20, Jersey 21 and USA 26. And USA have definitely come up. They, they were in the 50s, only. I think uh, six to 12 months ago, and they've really worked their way back up the ladder. So... Basically, we're saying almost the same thing. <laughs> <We> think that... <laughs> No, you're right. You're right. So,
0: Tim David could make a difference. And he has a, a you know, ridiculous, a phenomenal record for Singapore, you know, averaging in the mid-40s at a strike rate of 160 or so, and even you know, more impressive in Day in cricket where he's sort of averaging <laughs> upward of 70, I think, um, and and striking at well over 100. So, he, you know, whatever the format, he'll just keep whacking over the boundary. Uh, so... He can definitely take a match away from any of the teams here. Uh, he's he's a, a bit of a an X factor player for Singapore, but I guess it depends on yeah if uh, if the Australian
1: selectors come a calling before
0: you know between now and when he gets on the plane.
1: Well, yeah. Or the other thing for me, it's maybe feeling even more likely considering the fact that Australia's in the middle of a, a series at the moment. Maybe he won't be getting a call up. Is if he goes to Zimbabwe help Singapore qualify for a World Cup, and then Australia mm. pick them for their World Cup squad.
0: That would be interesting, especially if Singapore ends up uh, somehow qualifying and, uh, you know, <laughs> playing against Australia. That, oh, jeez.
1: <laughs> it's going to be like Australia A areas there from 94, 95 if yeah. they make Tim David man against against Singapore. Or <laughs> when um, Ireland played against England and Boyd Rankin took a five for and, um, <laughs> and, and Owen Morgan scored a ton for England. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. Um, So Group A is done there. We've sorted it. The results are in. (laughs) Group B, Hong Kong ranked 24, Netherlands 18, PNG 19, and Uganda 25. Again, quite tightly grouped and maybe a little bit more predictable there than than maybe those rankings in in, in Group A. As you said, I think you're bang on in that this, this group's harder because there's so many teams more closely matched that every game uh, is is going to be? Well, I don't want to say do or die. I'm I'm, I'm bringing out all the cliches. <laughs> I ha- I haven't mentioned Lockhorns yet, so sorry. I'll bring that up at some point.
0: <laughs> oh, that's a that's a vintage cliche there, Tim.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's you've got to get that written. Um, you mentioned the fact that Steph Myburgh is back, but another name back in the fold, and albeit he's been there on tour already, is uh, is Tom Cooper from the Netherlands, um, I think post his South Australian career, which looks like it's come come to an end, definitely in uh, Big Bash cricket anyway at this stage. But, of course, they are missing the likes of uh, Roloff van der Merwe. Um, Colin Ackerman isn't there either. And as we know, Ryan Tenskata has has retired from cricket. So that's a huge hole. Well, I guess it is in the middle order as well as to where those three would be batting but also the importance they they hold as well in the ball and the leadership out there and unfortunately as we've learnt recently about Peter Saylor also retiring due to his his back injury so that really can't overstate you know how big a blow that's going to be if they can come back from this to then go through and qualify could be one of the great performances um, where normally if that team was full strength and it's tough to talk about full strength the fact that two players have retired but you'd, you'd say that they'd be favourites to go through but I, I would have to opine here Nicholas is that with the team looking the, the way it is with the, the mix of I guess talent coming back with the likes of Tom Cooper and big fast bowler Paul Van Meekeren back in the fold as well after not a lot of time in the in the, the bright orange kind of brings them back to the pack somewhat not that they had a great World Cup last year anyway but I see now that even PNG with, with their struggles, I almost see them all, almost quite even there. In that there's a couple of key players that need to shine, and if they don't, it might be a real, real struggle. So if we sort of look at the Netherlands and PNG, we've got the Asad Vala. And Tony Ura show, I think we'll probably talk a little bit about Ura recently to see him smack it around everywhere. Hong Kong, who I guess I'm I could say I'm pleasantly surprised that we're talking about in in this sense of how good they looked in Uganda in the Challenge League A. And their team really is set up for T twenty cricket. Yeah, and Captain Nazakat Khan opening the innings, Kinchit Shah either opening or batting batting three, Baba Hyatt. Like any three of those can take down any of these attacks in the, in this competition, and if and if they fire, I think that well, not for the first time. I guess they're a known quantity now. I sort of think of Hong Kong Circuit two thousand and fourteen when they should have qualified for the twenty fifteen World Cup, but ended up staying their run into the World Cricket League Championship with that third place at the World Cup qualifier. They could do really well here, and 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 Uganda as well. You know, as you mentioned before, Nick, that they started slowly on their home turf in the Challenge League again. That's fifty overs. Fifty over cricket rather than twenty there, but uh, they came back strongly, and I think they'll be looking to to use a bit of that momentum into this event, and especially in in much more familiar conditions, being in in Zimbabwe that they, and that they'll be used to playing in. But how do you see this group? It's a tough one, isn't it?
0: Yeah, I absolutely. I think Netherlands are definitely back into the pack. Um, yeah, that that hole in their middle order. I mean, it, it's not just that they've lost you know three, four good batters in in the last year or so. Or between World Cups, really, uh, it, it's that you know, it alters the the composition of the team. You know, someone like a Ruler Van der uh, or, or even a Peter Zayla, who can provide that really explosive acceleration at the back end. That's basically missing. There's there's no one who can really fill that role in this team. Uh, as much as we like seeing players like Scott Edwards and and. Vikram Singh at the top, who are both very classy players. Max O'Dowd, again similar. He can get going, but he's he's an opener and he takes a little while to get set. Whereas Ruloff and Pete Zayla were both able to come in and, and just start swinging from ball one, which is something that's really missing. Um, obviously, Colin Ackerman is a class act, and, and Tendo is a, you know a, a great of the game. So you're going to struggle when guys like that are missing. Whereas their their bowling's still pretty good. Um, yeah, as you say, Van Makeren and back in the side. Uh, fun Bake. Uh, interesting to see Brandon Glover back in the team as well because he has been struggling over the last year or so, uh, maybe a bit longer. You know, he he bowls it quick, but he's just his radar's off. Whereas in that 2019 qualifier, uh, you know, one of one of the last sort of major events before um you know everything went sideways, Glover was unstoppable. He was he was fast. No, <laughs> I heard I heard you were over there though, Tim. I, I don't know. I, I can't remember. You, you didn't say anything, though, yes. <laughs> uh, but yes, no, 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 you're right. But um, yeah, Brandon Glover was unstoppable in that tournament and he's just never really uh, recaptured that form uh, since. So, you know, if he can get back to his best, I think the Netherlands will be able to bowl out any any of these batting lineups uh, pretty cheaply. But um, yeah, then the question is just how... You know, and <laughs> the, the, you know getting the band back together, Stefan Myberg, Tom Cooper... They're getting you know, a little bit um, long in the tooth there, so yeah, the the batting's a real question mark for the Netherlands. Uh, whereas someone like Uganda, I would say the bowling's their strength, and and the question is whether you know where they can get those those runs from. Does you know Dinesh Nakrani, He can hit it. Um, Frank Akinquaza's is one who burst onto the scene a bit, sort of a couple of years ago. Might um, might have actually been slightly you know just before the pandemic or, or just after it had kind of things had started going strange. He, he's a young guy who can really hit the ball a long way and, and can be an exciting talent, but I, he's kind of struggled a bit to make his mark. He, he uh, He's sort of he's been doing a bit more bowling recently and, and having a bit of success there. But if, if he can sort of recapture that explosive batting form, that'll help them a lot, having a bit of momentum because some of the guys in this Uganda team uh, with the bat can just be a little slow. You know, like for example, Simon Sazazi, who's probably more more of a fifty over player. Frank Nisabuga, hopefully, will be uh, rolling the arm over as always and uh, keeping things <laughs> tight. I think he has a career T twenty economy rate of four, which is you know just phenomenal. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, if you're going to press me, I think I would I would actually say Hong Kong look very dangerous. So I'll I'll go Hong Kong as one of the teams. You know, guys, as you say, Baba Hayat, Kinchichar, Azaz Khan was batting really well uh, in the Challenge League, and obviously. Nazakat carving it over point as he does. Um,
1: (laughs) It's like death, taxes, Frank (laughs) Nesha bowling for Uganda, and Nazakat Khan smearing it over, you know, backward point where you're never going to have a fielder.
0: Just scything it. (laughs) Yep, there's another four or six, especially in T20 where you just go hard in the power play, and, um, you know, that'll very often get you a a lot of quick runs. So, yeah, I think Hong Kong looked pretty dangerous. So. I don't know. Let's let's go Hong Kong and Netherlands to, to scrape through with the class from their bowling lineup. Hong Kong. Oh, okay, I'll go out on a limb. I'll say Hong Kong top of the group. I might look very silly, but uh, you know, let's let's go with that.
1: Look, I think it's really tight, and I think I'd be no. Look, I don't, I'm, I'm touching wood. No, no, I don't believe in any of these things. I'm, no one's putting <laughs> the mocker on anyone, but I, I agree with you. I think they really can the way that they're playing. You know, if Tony Ura fires like he did only a couple of days ago, yep, to seem actually come out and and dominate png against singapore on the 3rd of july where singapore probably would have been a little confident after they'd posted 2000 2000, that would have been really confident 203 (laughs) for seven (laughs) um and where chandra mohan had got 100 off 52 rocks but then tony ura being tony ura just saying, well, oh anything you can do i can almost do better uh, 93 off 40 balls there well, sorry he was 93 not out I should say uh, which is key Norman Vanua our man Norman 71 off 37 so two big innings there they got the runs with two balls to go and that was after the penultimate over and um, went for only two runs and a wicket meaning that PNG needed off the top of my head I think it was at 12 or 13 off the last over and Tony Ure ended up hitting a six on that third last ball to secure it for the Barramundi so I don't know in some ways I think that's really good that Tony Eris scoring runs but I just hope he hasn't used up his 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 innings that he seems to be a little bit too few and far between for lovers of associate cricket but great to see Norman in form as well he's someone who we've seen save and win games for PNG very often but I guess that's great with them chasing down a huge target but one day earlier, they did lose to Singapore by 18 runs after Singapore posted 168 for 5 from their 18 overs in a shortened match, and PNG scraping to 150 for 9. So, what do you see for PNG in this, Nick? Is it the same old, same old? Yeah, I mean, it really is. It's
0: pretty much the same team as always, and we're relying on the same guys as always to get the runs. Obviously, Assad Vala is going to be key as well in the middle order there. I mean, aka did okay in one of those games against Singapore. But, you know, I'm pretty wary of saying that Legacy Arca is going to have a good series because, you
1: know. <laughs> <laughs> it's something you can only whisper it because if you say it too loud, it might disappear. And that's <laughs> uh, that's a gladiator quote for everyone when they're talking about Rome and Rome just being an idea. So, anyway, move, moving on.
0: Yeah, Legacy Arca is more of an idea than, a, than an actual cricketer at this point. Um,
1: but <laughs> <laughs> okay, so basically we're saying... That it's going to be Zimbabwe plus another, which could be any of those three teams. But I'm going to say with no Tim David, it's going to be USA. What's your, your final tip for Group A?
0: Yeah, like I said, uh, Zimbabwe and I mean, if, if we're assuming there's no Tim David Assume no Tim David. I'll go Jersey Yeah, it's a big call. Uh, even though, yeah, I know I know they, they uh, like I said, I think they have got all the bases covered with, you know, the, the quality in the team They did lose twice to the USA in that Tri-Series uh, in Namibia, so you know, maybe that's a, an indication that I've backed the wrong horse, but I'm, I'm sticking with that one.
1: Well, I'm, I'm going to stay with uh, Zimbabwe USA, and that, and that is a, a Tim Davidless tournament. tournament mm. I'll just lock in Singapore for second place to keep it simple if if Tim david 's there and group B, I think you 've basically made that quite clear about how you you see Hong Kong first, which i 'm going to very quietly agree with and then <laughs> You thinking second place Netherlands?
0: Yeah, like I said, I think they just have enough quality in the bowling lineup, especially. Although it wouldn't surprise me if they uh, they failed to qualify, which would be quite a come down, I guess, after winning the whole tournament to qualify f- for last year's World Cup and to not even qualify out of the truncated global qualifier this time would, yeah. I, I mean, it would it would show kind of where their cricket's at now, as opposed to where it was two, three years ago, uh, and and things are definitely not looking as rosy. But yeah, I, I think they'll just scrape over the line.
1: Yeah, and that sets up. We're already getting ahead of ourselves here, but that sets up in Zimbabwe, Netherlands, semi final one, and Hong Kong versus Jersey or USA, semi final two. And that gets even more exciting if you're in Hong Kong. But looking at that, and then the winners of the semi finals go through. So let's see how those predictions hold up we can always cut this later um <laughs> if you've got any predictions out there get on to us i know that uh, especially surf is in contact with us through through patreon but uh, get tweeting at us if you've uh, agree or, or disagree um we'll have a somewhat of a preview getting up soon i know um tom grunshaw has been riding up a storm recently and sort of wrapping in the, the last qualifier so i'm sure we'll see something from him soon but just confirming the dates for that tournament, I mentioned that's going to be all done pretty quickly. And like I said, by the by the time we release next week's pod, it'll all be over. So this is the last time we'll have anything of a, of a preview or, or an update. But the round matches are all going to be played between the 11th and, and 14th of July. Just reminding everyone that there are two groups of four single round Robins. So every team will play on the 11th, the 12th and the, and the 14th. So that'll all be streamed on ICC.com. TV and I think also fan code in, in India and various other places so after the 14th they move into the finals series and the the important games if the, the group games weren't already important but the the very important games are the semifinals that will both be played at the same time on the 15th of July. Mm-hmm which I don't know. Those people out there that are using the ICC TV app, you cannot watch two games at once with the same login. So if you want to watch both these games, it's impossible unless you're going to set up another login or you use streaming sites that you shouldn't have to be using anyway. So ICC, heed our call, please, to not have these semi-finals being played at the same time because it makes no sense because it's not like the result of one game is dependent on the other or there's any advantage whatsoever. It should be so teams can be watched. Um, most cricket can be watched as possible and then the third place playoff and finals surprisingly I played at the same time two days later on the 17th of July so just saying that again all those round games everything's played in Bulawayo as well I think people were a little bit intrigued about that decision as well with no cricket happening in Harare whatsoever so round matches 11th to 14th Group A Jersey Singapore United States Zimbabwe Group B Hong Kong Netherlands Papua New Guinea Uganda in the meantime, Nick, there's been a bit of cricket happening. I think we've sort of mentioned it as, we, as we've gone, you know, with teams preparing for that tournament in Zimbabwe. I think we've already mentioned most of these. Uh, Namibia, to quote Nick, spanked jersey in the USA, but not really the point. I think it was to get match practice for those two teams going into the, going into the World Cup qualifier. Singapore-Malaysia to get the Series 2-1. Singapore playing PNG... And as we go to, go to print, uh, it's one all with two matches to play. And like we mentioned, Tony, you're a special to chase down that huge total. But another interesting event that, that's happening in the moment and we'll run into next week and we'll, we'll wrap it next week is a quadrangular T20i series, uh, men's series that is in, in Malaysia between the hosts. Thailand, Bhutan and the Maldives. So I think we'll try and dig a little bit deeper on on what's behind that tournament because I guess on the face of it, you've got the Malaysian side ranked in the 20s and and Thailand, Bhutan and Maldives um, ranked a lot lower and um, what is behind it. It's great to, to see these teams getting that experience. So there's been some interesting results already with Bhutan actually pushing Malaysia. We actually had Malaysia, I think, 8 for 51, and Fitri Sham got 40 not out, batting at number 10, and luckily got Malaysia to 112, and Bhutan ended end up being all out for, for 73. So there's obviously a bit of talent there, but I think we'll talk a little bit more about that next week. But I should really mention that we do have a new patron in the last week. We've got Madridista Stephen, um, which I don't think is his real name, but uh, I think that's Stephen, who's uh, in Spain, has signed on to uh, to help us. So thank you very much, and I'll, I'll give another another shout out to Michael Anderson, who I think would have been given a nod by Bez recently, but um, he's he's put a, a really generous contribution there on a monthly basis. So if you want to support the emerging creative cause financially, um, patron p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash emerging cricket and from as little as u.s two dollars a month you can help support us as we look to grow our footprint and the, the coverage that we give to the emerging game and of course emerging cricket.com and emerging cricket across all social media channels but for this week as we look forward to a well, half a world cup qualifier with the men's t20 world cup version of it coming up next week thank you very much nick skinner always a pleasure to have you and all the best with your i almost said yard sale and it's like i'm watching too much american tv <laughs> good luck with your garage sale over the weekend and all your preparations to move you'll be back next week i'll be back next week hopefully daniel Beswick is as well but in the meantime we hope you'll have a, a great week score runs take wickets on the weekend. but wherever you are in cricket's new world, we wish you a very good day.